Hi everyone, it's Ufma here from Chaiwali and I'm here with Manjusha or Manju for short. And Manju is a long time Chaiwali customer. I call her a friend of the faith um, and she's become a beautiful Aww. friend of Chaiwali. And a little bit about Manju, she is a multi-talented artist. She dances, she does artwork, she loves tea in all forms from like Chinese, oolong, Indian tea and she has done her masters in cultural heritage and have I missed anything Manju? Uh, no that's pretty much sums it up. <laughs> like, I do some like drawing and stuff but that's about it. Like, no, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. She has so many amazing things and Manju's become a really close cool friend of Chaiwali's and mine and I wanted to chat to her to understand a little bit more about her story and her journey with Chaiwali and so we've I've teamed up with her to meet over a cup of chai obviously chai wali and i'm going to ask her a few questions so let's get stuck into it um manju first question is hi <laughs> how would you describe yourself as a chai blend oh okay so i think my right spice combination would involve um elements of rose saffron cardamom um and I think maybe something spicy, maybe a little bit of pepper um, and cinnamon, probably. I feel like that's the combination, but I'm not entirely sure. I feel like we need to have one of those cool sessions with you where you like, you know, do chai experimentations with your customers. Yep. I reckon that's something that needs to happen eventually when we can be in the same state. Yep. <laughs> and we'll do that. Like, I think yep. that'd be a good way to find out. <laughs> Well, um, if you were to choose a blend of chai wellies at the moment, which would describe you the most, or a combination of the two, because I know you combine a lot of them together, which ones would you choose? My favourite combination of all time, especially in winter, is the 11 spice with um, the golden uh, 11 spice as well. So I have the mix today as well. So it's cool. I think that's got those like rose kind of flavours and that like pepperiness from the golden chai in it that yes yeah you as a person so I think yeah a multifaceted blend is what you'd be <laughs> exactly <laughs> I need the best of both worlds I cannot be satisfied just like you know <laughs> being basic <laughs> sometimes basic is good though like sometimes I dig a basic chai that's why um the classic masala chai is just fennel and cardamom just basic back to basics a classic a classic masala chai is literally like a wall hug, right? So it's essentially like one of those things. It's like you just it's curl just like, up and you're well, like, yeah, that's like, what I want. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Manju, I know that a lot of the work that you do, especially with um, the communities you've worked with, has got to do with community development. And essentially everything that you apply yourself has got to do with community. So what does community mean to you? So community, that's a very big question, firstly. Um, and community to me means a place to belong. Like, um, I think that's the best way I can explain it. It's somewhere where people feel like they can make a human connection with uh, people who have like-minded interests. Um, now, obviously, this is where things get a bit interesting because, you know, like what that interest is, is very debatable. <laughs> and some people like focus on certain aspects of their life and other people focus on others. So I think it's one of those things where um, you can build your own community 
or you can belong to a community that already exists. And that's what it means to me. Amazing. And I think that mm. is so, there's so much um, that I think individually we should be doing to build communities and we can't just rely on other people yeah. to build that community for us. And I think it's everyone's right and it's everyone's mission to establish communities where they live, not just for themselves, but for other people around them as well who might be new, yeah. who might be feeling isolated or whatnot, especially at a time right now. Definitely. And, like, it's also interesting how, like, third culture is a very nuanced existence in its own self, like being a third culture kid where you kind of feel like you have different identities so you might not fit um, one particular narrative. Um, it's always kind of, I feel people think that, automatically people believe if they don't belong somewhere they don't belong anywhere which I feel like is so sad so when you say I think why third culture do you mean like a first like an immigrant a first generation migrant like us or like is that what you're referring to like a a hybrid yeah so third culture is generally people who don't belong in the first two cultures um that's usually how they kind of refer to it or you can also call it diasporic uh diasporas um and so like for example I would consider myself a South Asian Australian um so I'm a mix of Indian and Australian so I kind of have a navigating um both of those cultural identities so I feel like some days I feel more ethnic and other days I'm just like uh want to go out like you know so I feel like it's one of those things where it's like um I can have a day in which I start my day with chai, for example, and then go do something like go to the beach and have a cup of chai or go for a swim or do something very like classic Australian, like maybe have like a barbecue and like (laughs) bring my chai set there. Like that's totally fine. It's like when you go to some of the parks in some of the like suburbs and across Australia, especially in Sydney and in Melbourne, where you go to a park and there's like a classic barbecue happening, but like you pay attention to what they're making and it's like some Middle Eastern kebabs and then they have like chai brewing on the other side and then have like shisha going on the other side and, and you're just like what is happening game. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like wow this is literal melting pot in this park like it's crazy it's crazy like it's amazing and I think that's what Australian means to me what being Australian means yeah when I like I, all, I look at all my friends and everyone's from a different background culturally but we all come together because of what Australian means and I wake up I'll make a cup of chai and then I, for dinner I might be rolling out fresh gnocchi and steaming potatoes and like adding a yeah. bit of saffron to that or a bit of um, turmeric to color it and that for me that's what Australian means is bringing all those cultures together because we're not just I guess we're Indian Australians but we're a combination of everyone we've met and that's the best thing about Australia it's a settler country at the end of the day we are all settlers on this land and not native um so it's quite um I think the faster we learn that Australia is not white, it's actually super brown and it will continue to be even more brown. <laughs> so the faster we get to that, the better it is for everybody, I swear. Like <laughs> this white pretense is getting too old. <laughs> um, I'm going to move to the next question that I've got for you, uh, which is um, you've become a friend of mine and a friend of Chaiwali's, which 
is really sweet because you become a chai crusader in my opinion you're saving the world of bad chai um what hey. is <laughs> what is it that you know about me or chai wali that the, i guess behind the scenes you've been a part of our journey for so long what is it that you might know about us that other people don't hmm well that's also a very interesting question i reckon one thing that i know about you that other people might not know is um how you actually had to face a lot of obstacles when you started up um and i think like you might you you do kind of talk about how it's quite challenging being like a south asian woman starting a business and you know making her way in a country like australia <laughs> and you mentioned that um in multiple platforms to kind of empower women and you know just give some insight but i think it's also hard because i don't think people realize um that being like a small business owner um and being a south asian small business owner means that you not only have to prove to the outside world that you can pull it off but you also have to prove it within your community and you have to prove it within your family and there's so many layers to like unpack um and people might just take that for granted <laughs> especially because i don't know also like the younger generations might not have the same kind of battles to face because maybe we cleared that path or like this previous generation set that kind of example for them to kind of have those opportunities but i think people sometimes forget that when you were growing up for example becoming a chaiwali wasn't like an option no, <laughs> no god it no. was not an option and it was not a recommended option <laughs> either um, <laughs> even though you have like that connection to family and your grandparents and your grandfather having the ayurvedic doctor connections and like having all of those linkages to your roots but um still it was not a, it wasn't something that you know would you would have naturally had open doors to <laughs> is what i'm trying to say so there's a lot of um things that you had to go through to get to where you are so i feel like people might not know that <laughs> thank you um and just i know that a lot of the work that you do revolves around culture and cultural authenticity has that always been the career path you've chosen and was that easy for you um so for cultural and cultural authenticity so i've always been an indian classical singer and dancer and when i was younger i very much played into that migrant narrative of being the south asian multicultural poster child literally you can see photos of me when i was younger in like federation square like i did all of the performances all of the festivals like i was there um but i didn't really understand the gravitas of what it meant to be indian australian until much later so i was born in india lived in australia moved back to india and then moved back to australia so when i went back to india in my high school days is i think when it really cemented this narrative of indian australian identity because i kind of felt like an alien in india like on one hand i was like i'm going home yay <laughs> motherland <laughs> and on the other hand i was like uh i 
have I'm so outspoken and I'm so progressive and I'm quite independent as a person Mm. and growing up in Australia I grew up with a single mom so I had to kind of I always saw women as being quite empowered um, throughout my life and when I went back to India it was interesting to meet people and see how different it was there like you have people to do things for you you have different lifestyle um, Mm. choices that you make in India and it's a bit different to navigate that and I think um, and so I realized that I was actually quite Australian (laughs) like for me I wanted to when I was 16 get my license like yeah and people were like, why? You have a driver. Yeah. You can't like, like, I literally car. people like, I think people don't get the freedom I feel every time I come back from India and I just pick up the car and go for a drive. Like the freedom yeah. of being able to do that. Yeah. And I felt so guilty that like my driver had to like wait for me. And I'm like, your whole life is literally waiting for people. Like, how? <laughs> like I felt so bad and um, things like that. I mean, obviously, this is a very privileged vantage point and this is a very privileged existence and not everybody has the same experience as me. And I have to be, I have to acknowledge that. But um, in terms of, yeah, so it really cemented. And so when I was in India, I would support the Australian cricket team. I was what? like always going for the underdog. Yeah, because... I felt like, you know, nobody's supporting Australia here. And they're like, why? Like, why would you do that? And I was like, yeah, but I'm from Australia. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, when I was in India, I was always, I was an NRI. Like, as far as anyone, like, I had accent trainers. Yeah, I had accent trainers follow me around at, like, dinner parties trying to study my Australian accent because they were like, oh, this is so cool. Like, we don't get to see a real-life example. But at the same time, like, like, I don't consider our, like, the the Australian accent. Like, I think people who mostly are from um, migrant backgrounds have a and don't speak English at home. Like, I don't speak English with my family. I speak Punjabi. We have a very, it's a neutral accent. Like, it's not. It's yeah, just, it's just neutral. I don't know what to call it. And I actually have a weird now hybrid because I went to an American school, like an American <laughs> international school when I was in India. So I have a weird hybrid. So some words I say in a very American way, other words I say in an Australian way. Yeah. And then when I go somewhere that's not Australia or India, people think that I'm like a lost British person who just watches a lot of American sitcoms. Like it's weird. You know? yeah, I, I still get my V. I get my V's and W's mixed up, like vol, like volume on like video, and like I can't say. I still can't say. I get it mixed up I can't my just can't say it um but like I was just saying today about like like somebody was talking about something and I said you know the spice tarragon yeah I was like tarragon tarragon like I was like tarragon like how do you say that (laughs) um so funny so, so my question to you is with all that experience and everything what does what does cultural authenticity mean to you big question being true it is a huge question. Um, cultural authenticity. See, culture itself is changing. I think that needs to be acknowledged. Like, it's not stagnant. So, like, what is authentic um, culture to you and me is different to like what it might have been for previous generations or coming generations so that's that's the state so I think at when you look at cultural authenticity you have to think about 
um, where and when is the question. So I feel like it's not, um, so if you take it out of the construct of where and when, and then you try to judge if that is authentic or not, um, I feel like you're missing half the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you get what I'm trying to say? But see, this is a thing where I draw a line because the thing is cultural authenticity versus like cultural appropriation. Like why is it important to kind of um, talk about cultural appropriation? Because I don't have, I personally do not go around saying this is not authentic, right? I personally have an issue with people who um, are appropriating cultures that they do not have an understanding of or do not have the permission to talk about or might not, you know, do you get what I'm trying to say? It's like, that's the kind of where I draw the line, where it's like misappropriating or misrepresenting culture as opposed to um, if it's authentic or not. Because that's like asking a question, like what is authentic chai? Like, it's a big question, yeah, you know? And this is different for everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I guess for me, cultural authenticity, you're right, it changes, but it's, it's just the, I think it's integrity and to do, yeah, yeah it's to share culture with integrity and acknowledgement. So mm. for me, that's where cultural authenticity is and how I represent it. Yeah. It's just to acknowledge and to pay my respects and to tribute and, and it, in my, in my perspective with the knowledge that I've been given. Yeah. And that's cool because that's the only way you can talk from, right? Like that's that's your lived experience and your experience and your knowledge and that's how you can be authentic about it and true, right? Um, so that's why I think it's, yeah, like it's, yeah, for me, I, because I study it, I have to look at it from a third person view, right? Yes, like very academic kind of, answer. <laughs> yeah because I study it like that's a question like I would totally have to write like something about like a thesis about I could literally write an entire thesis on yeah I guess there's so many there's so many layers to it and there's so many um and it's such a big mm. question such a big topic these days well yeah, yeah <laughs> because it's um because like I think it's a big topic because people now are profiting off authenticity or trying to commercialize it which is where I think things get blurred <laughs> and, and very that as well and I think also it's because there's people like us who are now mm. wanting to share our culture in a unique way different to how our parents did it our parents yeah. wouldn't see it as sharing and being proud and whatnot it was just a part of yeah. their daily life and now we're at a stage yeah. where if we if we don't take the steps to preserve it it'll get lost so yeah. I guess that's why also for us, for me, it's, it's becoming a massive thing because I want to preserve those stories. Yeah. And if you don't record and preserve and um, it will get lost and with your lifetime, like within your lifetime, it will um, not get passed down to the next generation. And also it's also this thing of this is the first time in history where we have the means to be able to doing to do that with our own resources like ever like unlike ever before in history it's not something that is so out of our reach that 
it's like unattainable to preserve that um, out of just oral transmission. Like we have the technology to record and yeah, like preserve. right now. Yeah, like that. Yeah, amazing. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, to change things up a bit, I wanted. I know that we met years. Like I don't even remember what year it was when we met. Like, can uh... you do you? How did that come about, that meeting? How did Shakti, tell us about your experience with Shakti. Just give me a bit of a background on that. Um, so I was working with Shakti, which is a, a domestic violence um, organization that um, supports women from predominantly refugee and migrant cult backgrounds. Um, it was, it is very, um, it's a very big organization and well-resourced organization in New Zealand. And then it was starting off in Melbourne and uh, I was working as an events manager there voluntarily. Um, and like through one of my friends was referred to that organization. And so we were looking at ways to like empower South Asian women to, you know, take some agency and kind of be inspired to, um, to like inspired and motivated to change or take agency over their life, whether that is like uh, financially, whether that is um, like through business or whether that is through just like um, have the drive to do something yeah. um, to get themselves out of the situation that they might find themselves in. Um, or have already taken, or have already taken the steps to come out of that situation, which might still, have put them in harm's way. Are they still around, Shakti? Um, so in Melbourne, not so much. It has significantly dropped in size, only because of uh, the committee kind of not really, you know, keeping it together. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of internal things going on there, but. Um, and so like the, the, the one in New Zealand is still quite strong though because mm -hmm. they they're pretty much like the mother like the motherboard of so that. I, I remember um that getting an email from Holene or you I forgot who it was and inviting me I think it was like years ago when I first started or when I was still, first even thinking of starting Chaiwali and it, I think the yeah. theme was the day of the girl child is that right and yeah you were there and tell me um that was the first ever time I think I actually spoke in public, one of the first few times. What what was that event about, and how was your first like interaction that, with that kind of event? So that was um, so me and Harleen were brainstorming ways to and who would come and talk and stuff. And Harleen mentioned or Harleen mentioned that you know I know this girl who does chai and she's. Punjabi she's pretty cool she's pretty down to earth and she's like this badass lawyer who like you know is doing this and I think it'd be cool I'm to have her badass. down <laughs> no but like you are badass <laughs> and and I was like oh yeah that sounds amazing like let's do it and so I was like since you already know um, her or know of her through community and stuff just reach out um, and see how you go so she emailed me and all that and I loved it because it was a chai workshop where you actually came down you brought like all your pans and all your portable stuff and then you had like a setup and then you made chai for all the women and while you were making chai you kind of talked to them and it was really cool um, and I think again it's all about context right like it's these are women who 
obviously have gone through a lot of trauma and quite recently and are working through it. So to get women like that to kind of open up and feel comfortable in a space, especially like it can be quite intimidating to meet people who are quite empowered in a way, like sometimes. Um, and I think it was keeping it in the kitchen and keeping it quite casual by like making chai and stuff mm. made it quite relatable and accessible to these women to be like, hey, she's just like any one of us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was quite, it kind of crossed a lot of boundaries. And I know that a lot of people were quite um like they enjoyed meeting you and talking to you about your experiences and they were quite like inspired to change up their lives and just be like look um there is hope like it might seem like we're in a tough spot but um there are resources out there where we can make something of ourselves you know if only we can tap into it I think that goes also to like chai and its ability to really connect people as well and like tea in all definitely cultures, like in all cultures like it, it really brings things back to it's a people. universal language right it's a universal language it's it's just like I love I am from Melbourne so I do love coffee this I am a coffee snob <laughs> as well but coffee doesn't have that thing that tea has where it it's a sl- it's a slower drinking drink it has multiple cups and it, it really brings the circular motion of people around you together over a biscuit and a chai to talk, whereas a coffee is a bit more of a momentarily, like it's a bit more of a short term. Yeah. Like, which I think chai especially brings people together and crosses the boundaries of like classism and all that stuff. Yeah. And everyone's like, it's speaking the same language essentially everyone's kind of brought down to the same level yeah and I remember mm-hmm. that talk that there was like a Filipino lady a Vietnamese lady like um Indian like Ethiopian it was just it was such a big mix and I think that was like tw- it was 2013 or 24 it was years ago like it was I so even, long ago I felt like I was a baby now when I look back to myself my god <laughs> <laughs> it was a good event and then I was like oh my god and I personally my journey my personal journey with Chai like before I met you I was like a tea like I guess I would be like a tea two kind of regular where I was like oh yeah you know like and I had my Asian tea shops in Box Hill that I would go to where I would like sit down and have the proper tea ceremonies and stuff um but I was very much into only green teas and black teas like um Amma would make chai at home and I would not I'd be like oh my god that is so like no I'm not gonna drink that like I hated I hated like masala chai when I grew up this was not a thing Oh my God. It was not a thing. And then I was like, because I was like, it takes time. It takes so much effort and there's so many spices. And I just couldn't be bothered learning like all of the steps. And I'm like, I can't. Like, I was just like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. And then and then I met you and I was like, this is genius. She's like made like all of the steps so much easier. There's like four steps now. Like it's like, and it's already pre-made and I can just put it in a pot and it's done. Like it's done. like it's so easy. Like I was like, oh my God. And so that is literally the start of my proper masala chai journey. Like my mom gives me, and then when I started making chai for my family, which I do all the time, like they have a yeah. set of like the 11 spice and like the golden 
uh, spice blend as well and they love it like they even ask like when I go there they'll request me to make it because they think I make it better than my mom but anyways (laughs) Because, you know, Amma, like, she likes to add her own little things as she does. Um, <laughs> so, whereas I just, like, stick to the book. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, they're, like, it's quite funny because when you're a kid, you kind of hate this. Mm. <laughs> well, that's amazing to know that um, your journey of chai got rekindled or, like, the, the reignited fire, or ignited. <laughs> yeah yeah um and also like it's a journey that grew over time because like once I moved out it was like it wasn't there so obviously that whole idea of like I'm gonna start my day with this was definitely a thing that I definitely started doing um maybe like four three four years ago I would say and I kind of started to make it a daily part of my life (laughs) um when you another question what brings you joy Does it have to be one thing? No, no. No, no. It can be anything. Everything? <laughs> like, a lot of things to really enjoy. What kind but, of things um, enjoy? Okay, so music, dance, tea, um, painting. Essentially everything I do. <laughs> and community. Community and people. I think at the end of the day, it all boils down to people. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Uh, I feel like you're someone who's, and every time I've spoken to you, you're someone who's really full of positivity and warmth. I know that we all, we all honestly go through ups and downs. That's just the nature mm-hmm. of, of human humanity, life. How do you maintain yep. staying grounded um, when you go through those, when the going gets tough, when you go through those downs? Just because every time um, I've spoken to you and met you, you're full of warmth <laughs> and positivity yeah so I I reset a lot like I think I think I do it a lot more than the average show I feel like I do have my ups and downs but I can't be in a negative state of mind for like more than two hours it really gets to me after that like I'm one of those people who I'm super down I'll be like two hours later, I'm like okay now like let's um, get out of this like let's snap out of it but the way I snap out of it changes from what the situation is so for example if it's people related it's usually the hardest for me like um when I'm like I don't know going through something with friends or family or something that's the hardest I reckon um and that usually I would have to it's a lot of emotional energy which I have to kind of come out of my body like I don't know how to explain that better but like (laughs) essentially whether that be singing or dance or painting or just like screaming into a pillow or I don't know like I have to get the energy out of my body like I actually feel like it's kind of just building up you know Mm -hmm. um I think we have spoken about this a number of times in terms of people and friendship and genuinity and like yeah the genuine nature in terms of and I think that there are similarities between us in terms of um people our our perception of relationships and that's something that impacts me as well in terms of if someone is genuine or not and if someone is not genuine it impacts me really deeply and I don't want it to yeah it's something that I struggle with quite a bit and so it's interesting to hear how you release energy um about about those situations as well 
Yeah, because I just get, otherwise, it just keeps building up. It's like a pressure cooker. And I'm like, this is going to explode. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. Like, <laughs> so I need to release the steam. Um, and I reckon, yeah, so I reckon that's where dance music really comes in handy because I don't know any other medium in which physical, like emotional energy can be physically exerted. Um, because like, I think the power, people don't realize the power of voice and movement is very, very strong. Um, now how you use that movement, whether it's you go for a run or a walk or dance or I don't know, like whatever you do, <laughs> it is at the end of the day energy, right? Like you're getting rid of. Um, and then when after I've done all of these activities to get rid of energy, then I reset by writing and drinking tea and like you know that's that's my process because I have to return back to a state of like normality or not like normality but like calm clarity like calm clarity yeah calmness and clarity so that's where tea and writing comes in (laughs) yeah I think it just puts things back into perspective when you do that and I think that we can you're right the pressure cooker and this we change the sh- unless we shift the energy especially now when we can't go traveling and we can't just go hop and leave to a country where for me that I know that used to shift my energy and put things into perspective was traveling but now without that we have to create those sh- energy shifts where we live yeah and that's been I think a global challenge for so many people and I'm quite blessed in the sense that I live in an apartment building in which I can go to the roof and literally see all of Melbourne. I like have a straight line view, which is amazing and super rare. But um, I'm lucky because that's, for me, nature really does ground me. Like I could literally have an issue and go to the beach or like go to the mountains and just be like, I am literally the tiniest speck on this earth. Like I'm so insignificant and my problems are as insignificant as me. So (laughs) I need to just calm my farm and stop thinking like the entire world is coming crashing down. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and it really, like, I feel like being in the ocean really, like the it's an energy thing as well because like mm-hmm. when you're in the ocean you have you're so powerless in a lot of ways the movement of the waves is so out of your control like it is like yeah yeah it's and I like how I like how it makes you feel so connected to the earth because you're literally in water and it is such a powerful force um, of energy that is to a magnitude that you it's so beyond human capacity you know like yeah it's it's amazing and it's it's so cleansing and it's just so weightless the weightlessness of it just carries you and you just felt I feel really held in when I go so and it's also like (laughs) weird I know it's kind of like Almost, I've, I figured this is how babies would feel, right? Like, it's, like, just floating around in, like, this endless void, right? I feel like that's what it goes to, that very primal sense of, like, um, being, like, enveloped in something, I think. Um, and also, I was going to say, during COVID, it's been really interesting because even recently one of my friends was saying, because my apartment is such a way in which the morning sun reaches me, like if I sit on my couch so 
like more recently, uh, it was pointed out to me how that's such a nice feeling just to have sun, like direct sunlight on your face. Um, and I think in COVID, I've come to appreciate that a lot more. <laughs> like, vitamin D, I love, I need to get vitamin D at least every day. Yeah. Melanin. Mel- yeah. Mel- Mel- melanin. Well, I can never say it properly. Melanin. 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 <laughs> oh my gosh well it was it was really nice hearing all those things from you and I think um we've connected beyond just the drink of chai and I'm really grateful to be connected with you and I'm really excited to do a bit more connection with you through our circle of chai events which used to be called chai check-ins and so Manju is going to just help a little bit with community development in terms of just creating some events and have have a fortnightly chai check-in on zoom for us just to have a different topic of conversation from kindness of things that we value but we don't talk about very often to put things and I think that's important to put things into perspective and it's also important to kind of have that sense of community as well and have topics that are relevant to people now um, and here (laughs) and I think it's yeah and I think it's, it's also to allow people to feel like we are all leaders like we're not just mm. we're not we're not just listeners we we can make a change and that change first starts with us and having those conversations and then implementing positive change in our life by baby steps yeah and then it's like a butterfly effect if you're kind and you act with conscious consciousness and integrity the next person will as well yeah and it's contagious it's actually more contagious to have it that way than to spread uh, grief or anger or sadness or fear. Oh, fear. (laughs) 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 Oh, gosh. Well, thank you, Manju, so much for sharing your thoughts and your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I thought I, this has definitely gone um, beyond the time. Way beyond. (laughs) Beyond. um, and but I, it was really nice and I think that you always remain a friend of Chaiwali's and mine so I look forward to more conversations and thank you I hope you have a lovely day and enjoy your chai thank you so much for asking me for this session and sorry that it went on for too long oh, no, <laughs> but most of our chats do <laughs> like 